Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Rooted Podcast. The reason that we do this podcast is because we believe that if we are rooted in Scripture, if we read Scripture and live by Scripture, we will live a life according to Jesus, and we will live a life uh, that is well in line with the way that Jesus lived. And we will have a heart of Jesus as well. And today I want to talk about a Scripture that I was studying recently in in Revelation, and this is a kind of popular one that we hear in churches in America, or just by preachers, I guess. Um, It's a a well-quoted one um, from my perspective, and I think we should talk about this today. It it involves the church and specifically the American church and how we operate and what we care about, and I would say this often in this podcast, I normally just talk about the American church, and you can even get more specific than that and say the Kentucky church, or maybe even central Kentucky church, because that's what I know the best. I did go to college, and I went to church in Tennessee for five years, uh, which I would say is pretty similar, Um, and from my friends that I talk to that are in ministry all over the United States, I would say this is pretty common as well. So this is what Revelation uh, four, probably one through, or fourteen through eighteen, kind of, kind of says, and a little backstory. Revelation is a vision from John, kind of, of what's going to happen in the end times. It says that this vision was from potentially from God. Well, sorry, was from God, and he's just kind of giving him an idea to write down for us on how the end times are going to happen. And there's a lot of imagery and a lot of symbolism and a lot of connection to kind of the times there. Um, But there's one section where he talks to the individual main churches of that time and just kind of goes through the things that they're struggling with or that they're doing really well. And this is to the church of Laodicea. It says, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire so that you can become rich in white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and and, um, so I I read this and I study this this scripture and we're supposed to kind of relate it or maybe even talk about like how do we not become this church we see this example and kind of this warning from 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 God about this specific church of being lukewarm and he, and they talk about how the people of this church think they're so rich and they're not of need and I've talked about this on my, on this podcast before about Americans and and the reason that we don't see miracles and we don't see real life change a lot of the time is because we're rich and if we have a problem we just buy it the reason that the poor and the hungry and those seem to be a little closer to God or those who don't have as much is because from an American standpoint, they have to rely on God's comfort and his grace 
and his um, removing of anxiety and the burdens of this life to get through where Amer- where rich Americans, maybe even rich people in general, can just buy their way out of those current situations. So I see a lot of the America church or, or Americans that do church, let's say that, in this, this church of Laodicea. You know, I see this, this lukewarmness where they neither choose to be all in with Christ or they, cho- they, they don't choose Christ. Like they openly say, like, I do not believe in, in God. I do not believe in the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. Like, and most people are right in the middle. And even people who say that they, they do believe or people who say they do not believe, most of them still are right in the middle. Like the people who say they don't believe in God still somewhat act as though they do. Like there's not this completely go against the scriptures of Jesus. But there is, on the other side, there's people who say they do believe in Jesus, that they are devoted to Jesus, but their life and the patterns of their life do not show that. So how they spend their time, money, and talent, if you were to never talk to this person you just bullet pointed all those things in their life and you were to and you were to judge and dictate is this person uh, a, a bible believing christian is this somebody that is trying to model their life after jesus i would say most of us it would be no our, our the way that we live our life the way that we spend our money the way that we spend our time the who we spend out who are who we spend our time with you can go down the list probably does not model a life that is of Jesus. So our example from the church and and the Christians of the church probably aren't making as big of an impact in in America as we think it is. You know, the American church, people only attend on Sundays. Like they, their goal is to attend on Sundays and even just to be considered a regular attender. It's like going 1.7 times a month or something like that on average. So if you take all the, the weeks out of the year, 52 weeks and you divide it by your attendance, it should come out to 1.7 and then you are considered an average attender of the church. You know, the average person of the church, um, does not, um, use obedience through giving like we don't the average the average person or just maybe just we can just say the christian in general doesn't believe in obedience of the scriptures when it comes to our finances that either they don't give give anything and they just come to receive and be a part of a congregation or they throw in 20 bucks or 50 bucks here and there and it's it's not a minimum of 10 percent or we can go by the New Testament, and it's like, man, you should probably give it all to him. You should give it as much as you can. Um, you, it should, you should actually feel the giving because it's supposed to make an impact. You know, the average church person, um, in their prayers, if they do pray throughout the week outside of Sunday, it's just asking for stuff. It's not an actual worshipful prayer because we know that worship, everything about worship is giving. Like... We tell God how great he is. We thank him so much for everything that he did. We give our money in worship. 
We give our hearts in worship. We give our minds in worship. Everything about worship is giving and elevating God. It, it doesn't have anything to do with receiving. But probably our average prayer has more to do with asking for things to make our life more comfortable or to fix something in our life or to give us wisdom in some sort of way. And it has nothing to do with worship. It's just like us going to our grandparents constantly asking for money, but we don't actually get to know them. Probably the average person or just Christians in general don't, don't read their Bible. They only hear scripture on Sunday or maybe on Facebook. They'll see the average Bible verse or they'll subscribe to the, the Bible app where they give them the verse of the day and they kind of read it, but they don't actually dive into it. The way that we get, get to know God is by reading his stories. It's the same way that we get to know like our grandparents on a deep, deeper level. Like we were born at a, at a very late age of most of our grandparents' life, they've already lived most of their life. Some of them are already retired after, after we are born. And the way that we get to know them is we get to hear their stories. We get to know the struggles that they went through. We get to know the conversations and the different boyfriends or girlfriends and their, their spouse and the different trips that they went on and how they raised our parents and, and all these stories. That's how we get to know them. That's how we get to know their heart and what they care about. It's the same way with God. We have this entire book right here that has 66 books in it that gives accounts of, of historical events that he's heavily involved in or even moving forward physically. We have accounts of, of people who lived by the teachings of Jesus and by the Holy Spirit and what that did for the people of that time and in their hearts and everything. We have all of these things that really show who God is and what he cares about what he's all about, what he wants us to do. And this all encompassing version of a little, probably just a small piece of who he is on this earth. We have the ability to get to know him. But the only time that we hear scripture is so that we can become a better person on Sunday. Instead of really getting to know who God is and what he cares about. And we also, the, probably the worst thing that us Christians do in our lukewarmness is we put expectations on God that aren't real. We get mad at God when something doesn't happen. We get mad at God when, when we become discomforted. We get mad at God when our life doesn't go the way we want. We don't get the job we want. We don't get the car we want. We don't have enough finances that we want. We don't get to buy the house that we want. We don't get the, the friends that treat us the way that we want to be treated. We don't get the spouse that we want. We don't get the boyfriend or girlfriend that we want. We don't like it's, it's all about if something doesn't happen in our life, we put these expectations on God and then we get frustrated whenever things don't go our way. And we say, why is God doing this to me? Why did God let this happen? Why did this, this, this terrible thing happen? Does God not love me? Does God not care about me? And it's all because we don't read the scriptures and we don't see what, what God says he's going to do the promises of his life the promises he has in our life. And, but we focus more on the promises that are just made up. And we let other people, I mean, ministers included, I'm a minister, people who aren't read in the scriptures, somebody maybe just a little older, maybe elders or deacons or just teachers of Sunday school in the church, just kind of ramble about the church. But we don't actually like read the scriptures to see like, this is the expectation of God. These are the promises of God. There are, there are hundreds of promises from Jesus and from God 
but we actually focus more on the, the promises that do not exist in our life. And that is what separates us from God. Like that is, that's the reason that we, we step away from the church. Not because we read scripture and we have a problem with it, but we get frustrated with God about something that isn't even real. And then we have, we have people, the ministers in the church. Now this isn't the, this isn't every minister. There are some fantastic preachers out there. There are some fantastic pastors out there. There are some, there are amazing youth ministers and children's ministers and associate ministers and executive ministers and people who do not for profits. And I've met a ton of them and I love them. I love doing ministry with them. I have a team of my own that I got to almost handpick to plant a church with. I love them. They are amazing ministers. But for every good minister, it might be 50-50. That there's a minister that looks no different than the, than, than the average person. I'm not talking about the average Christian. I'm talking about the average person. That when they preach and they talk about, they actually preach more about being comforted, comforted and, and, having, and having safety in our life and, and preaching about wealth and the benefits and the blessing of God or what's going to come from being a follower of God. But when you read scripture and you read, and you read about, about Jesus and how, what happens when you actually follow Jesus, and when it says you need to cast your fears, you cast your anxieties on him, he's not talking about the little nuances in our life where we get anxious or we don't know what to eat, or, or or get anxious about driving. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being anxious and fearful because of the persecution that you're going to get because you are following Jesus. Like we, They were so devoted to Jesus in their life that they lived a life that was going to receive persecution from this world, and the anxiety that is filled with that being yelled at, being, th- being fired from your jaws, being thrown out of your uh, circles, your social circles, like just removing, being removed from your current day life because of your decision to follow Jesus and the anxiety that comes from that. We're supposed to cast those on him so that he can show us that he is gracious and that he, is, that he brings us comfort in those situations. That the things of grace the things of grace in this life that he gives us is supposed to overcome the persecution because we know we're going to be in heaven. But we focus so much on, and we preach so much on just, you know, kind of give it to God. I know you're kind of struggling right now, but you know, give it to God. But we don't expect our people to live a life that is fully devoted to Jesus, that is fully devoted to Jesus. You know, us in American church, we don't worry about being persecuted. Very few of us do. And I'm not talking about having an argument over a potluck that is not being persecuted or a, or a bad elder that has a, that has a preference that is not being persecuted. This is a, this is a non-Christian who does not believe in Jesus that wants you to be removed from your current situation. He's going, and he or she is going to do whatever it takes to remove you because of your belief in Jesus, not because of your preferences, not because of who you vote for, not because of 
what's in your front yard or the, or the car that you drive or the house that you or how much money you make. You're not being persecuted because of that. You're persecuted because you believe in Jesus. And in America, you are persecuted because of your social standing. You could even throw in your background, what job you have, your, what neighborhood you live in, what sports you like, what you don't like, what family you married into or didn't marry into, whether you're single or married, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, you get, you get persecuted and talked down to because of those things, not because of Jesus. And we think that we're being persecuted. These are all the things that involve lukewarmness, and it, it's really hard for, for myself and, and, and other people who read the scriptures and know God and then look at the church and we say, like, what I read in scriptures and what I see in the church and how the Christians are acting are two different things. Now, this isn't a new thing. Like, we see in, in Jeremiah where, where Jeremiah is, is screaming to God for God to change the hearts of the people. And God's like, no, they did not choose me. Actually, they're not choosing anything. They're just choosing not to do anything. And they're just going to flippantly go throughout their life. And they just hope that they're going to land on something good. Like this lukewarmness is not, is not new. This has been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But in our current day with Jesus, we have like, I don't want to even say strict. We have great examples on how we are supposed to live our life. In Matthew 12, 1 through 2, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true proper, true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And these things, it, it breaks it down into a couple of things. Like, it says that you need to be holy. Well, what does holy mean? Holy means to be set apart. Like, to be different than everybody else. And then it says, and pleasing to God. Now, that is the definition of God's pleasing, not the definition of us pleasing. What pleases us does not please God. Like, we, we will be attracted to the, the pleasures of this world. It says that in Scripture. We live on this world. We want the things of this world. But we need to be transformed so that we have the same pleasures as God does. Now, the pleasures of, of, of what God does does not mean that we are going to be comfortable at all times. That does not mean that we are going to live an easy life. That does not mean that we are going to have an abundance of money, abundance of clothes, abundance of cars, abundance of friends, an abundance of churches, or abundance of anything. It does not mean that we are going to be blessed from an earthly standpoint. But what it does mean, pleasing, is that we renew our minds to love the people that he loves, to hate the things that he hates, to live a life according to him. And our worship is giving everything to him and not receiving anything. I could probably go on and on about the difference between what pleases us and what pleases God. And then the last thing, it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the lukewarm pattern 
is one I mentioned earlier where, you know, we go to church on Sundays, but then Monday through Saturday, we just get into the pattern of what the United States tells us we need to and what, what the United States tells us we need to care about. Like we need to, we need to send our kids to school. We need to make enough money. We need to, uh, move ourselves up. We need to make sure we go to college. We need to make sure we have a certain vehicle. We need to make sure we dress a certain way. I mean, I could go on and on and on. We need to make sure that we spend our time doing this and watching this movie. We don't want to fall behind on, on this and this reading and this new book came out and this new music came out and there's a concert coming up. You don't want to make sure you don't miss that. And it seems that the world is dictating our time and our money and our talent because it's the new thing rather than having the pattern of what God wants and what Jesus wants in our life. That the motivation for our spending money, the motivation for using our time, the motivation of using our talents and, and go down the list is because of what Jesus wants us to do, not because of what our job or this world wants us to do or what our neighbors think that we should do or what our parents think that we should do or our grandparents or our teachers, or our government thinks that we should do and spend our time? Like if you were to look at the, your pattern throughout the week. So start with Sunday. What do you do on Sunday? What do you do on Monday? What do you do on Tuesday? What do you do on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? If you write down your entire pattern, it probably looks pretty similar every single week. Your conversations probably look similar. Your spending habits probably look pretty similar. What does that pattern show about you? Like if your neighbor was to write down your pattern, what would, what would be the conclusion of the pattern of your life? Would it be holy and pleasing to God or would it be pleasing and elevating of yourself? Or would it be like, this person does not love Jesus. This person does not like God, and they make it very known to all the people. It seems in Re Revelation 4, 16, where, he, where God says that, I wish that you were either hot or cold. Like it, it almost seems that God wants you to choose either way, and that you will be judged even more harshly if you are not one of those that the first people he's going to remove from this world are those who have no idea what's going on, and they are the lukewarm living a pattern according to both God and of this world. But they kind of want the pleasure of both things. That's the first part. That seems like that's the first people that he's just going to remove from his sight because of their unwillingness to make a decision. So as we go throughout our week, as we, as we study scripture, as we go to church, as, we, as we're around people, I, I really want us to think about what is the pattern of our life? What is the pattern? Is it a pattern according to Jesus? Would our patterns point to a life of Jesus? Or would our pattern point to a lukewarmness of this world? Or would it point to, I do not love Jesus. I do not like God. It's got, it has to point to one of those three things. What is our pattern going to do? If we, if we want to be 
a pattern of Jesus. I'm going to read this one for one, one more time. It says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I offer to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is a life that is going through the pattern of following Jesus. And I pray that we, that we remove ourselves from the things earlier that I talked about. That's not just attending on Sunday and then going and living your life according to what you want. That we actually become obedient to what God says about our finances. We don't just throw a 20 in the, in the offering plate and make us feel better. But we actually say, no, God, you are in control of everything, and I'm going to give a minimum of 10%. Because, because I give my best and my first to you because I trust that you are good, and I want to worship you. That when I pray, it is, it is about God. It is not about us. That, that we want to elevate who God is in our life. That we don't want to elevate ourselves. We want, don't want to make our life better by asking for God to fix things in our life. But we want to elevate him in worship and, and give everything to him. Talking about how great he is. How he's worthy to be praised. How, how his majesty reigns over all. That he is the one and only God. That his son is the one that can give us salvation and nothing else that we pray and we give our hearts through that. That we don't get to know that we do get to know God through the scriptures. That we don't just hear scriptures on Sunday and random things on internet that make us feel good or make us feel bad because we're not following the scriptures. But we actually dive into the scriptures that we know who God is because we see what he did here and we see what he cares about. And we see that the things that he, he's frustrated with. We see the things that he hates. And the, the, probably, the most, probably the most important thing when it comes to your relationship with God is that we'd stop putting expectations that do not exist in the Bible on God. That we just, we, if, if we hear something, if a minister says something, this, this is different in the Christian church or sorry, in the, in the church of Jesus than any other religion. Every other religion says, no, don't look it up. Don't read your, don't read your scriptures by yourself. Now, what I'm telling you to do as a minister is if a preacher on Sunday or any other, you listen to it on YouTube, you listen to a podcast, says and reads scripture and says, this is what God wants you to do. I want you to look it up. I want you to do the research. I want you to see the promises of God and what aren't promises of God. Or if somebody says, hey, you know, God wants you to blank, I want you to take that. I want you to find the scripture that backs that up so that you know whether that's a true promise from God or it's just something that somebody made up because it sounds nice. Probably the most, most of our frustration when it comes from God is because it's not in the Bible. I, I, I bet you. I bet you if I go through all the things that you've been frustrated with with your relationship with God, it's because... You just believe something that wasn't that didn't exist, or the scripture was terribly interpreted. You just read the scripture. You didn't read what was going on in the context and the the everything that was going around. 
that is what we need to run away from. And we need to just make sure that our pattern is according to Jesus and not of this world. That it's no longer about us. That Jesus came and he died for us. And therefore, we're expected to die to ourselves. And live a life holy and pleasing to him. So let me pray for us as we go throughout our week until we meet again next Wednesday. That we are rooted in scripture. That we live a life and a pattern according to him and not of ourselves. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this Wednesday Bible study and the scriptures and the stories that you give us that really push us to live a life according to your son and live a life according to your moral practices and your law so that we can be holy and pleasing according to you and not according to ourselves. I pray that we transform our minds to the patterns of your word and not to the patterns of this world. God, I pray that we make an impact in this world, a true impact in this world, that people truly know that we follow Jesus and that we care about Jesus and nothing else. God, you are good. And I ask this on your son's name. Amen. You guys have a great week, and I will see you next Wednesday on the Rooted Podcast.